Welcome to the Alabama Literacy Network's podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for all citizens. This podcast was brought to you by the Alabama Science of Reading group on Facebook. With free professional learning and a community dedicated to improving reading, it's no wonder that so many people are part of this. If you aren't a member already, join for free online. I'm your host, Shelley Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to my fabulous friends at Barnes & Noble. Josh Barrington was a guest on the podcast last year where he talked about the books that Santa Claus was bringing. Josh is back, and we also have Caitlin Johnson Pagano with us today. You may remember that Josh is a Birmingham native who, for the last five years, has worked for Barnes & Noble, three as head of the children's department. Currently, he is the business development manager covering most of the Barnes & Noble stores in Alabama and Arkansas, working with schools, nonprofits, other institutions, and corporations to determine and fulfill their bulk ordering needs. Caitlin Johnson Pagano has worked at Barnes & Noble for 13 years in a variety of roles, but most recently as business development manager overseeing Brooklyn and Staten Island in New York City. In her free time, when she's not reading, she loves to craft, bake, watch F1 racing and baseball, and tries to get her husband to read more. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband, Anthony. Welcome, Josh and Caitlin. I am so excited to have you as guests on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Caitlin, for joining us. I'm excited. Uh, This is my first podcast. Well, we hope that it is not your last because I feel like everyone is going to want to hear more of what we're going to talk about today. So this particular podcast started with this ongoing conversation that Josh and I have been having about getting kids to love reading, and especially those kids that are sometimes not in love with reading. And I'm a firm believer in the power of series because I think that they can hook kids I've told Josh that in fourth grade, my son did not love to read and his teacher. So I'm going to do a shout out to Kristen Lamott and the librarian, Monica Moore, who were both fabulous influences. And they started him with the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events. And it was just a game changer for him. And you feel teachers and librarians orders I would just love to pick your brain about what are the series that people need to know about that kids love and are going to hook kids. Well, when Josh told me what our topic was today, my my brain immediately went to graphic novels and how, you know, when I started at Barnes & Noble 13 years ago, graphic novels were kind of like a dirty word, like, oh, only nerds read graphic novels and they're just glorified comic books. And and I was uneducated at the time. And I and I was like, yeah, no, it's kind of like, but what is it, Batman and Superman? It's just comic. There's no substance there. And then I got to talking to a teacher who was reading Frankenstein with her class. And she said, well, I have a student that's dyslexic and he's having a really hard time with it. But I found a graphic novel version of Frankenstein and he finished it in two days. So now I'm a champion for graphic novels and not just for kids with dyslexia, but sometimes you're a visual, like I'm a visual learner. I don't, I don't learn by reading. I need to see things and graphic novels are like that. And now we're seeing more series, not just Wimpy Kid and Dork Diaries, but 
Magic Treehouse or graphic novel versions too. So that's always my first go-to when kids say, I don't like to read or, you know, a parent comes into the store and says, my, my kid doesn't want to read. Well, have they tried a graphic novel? It's not just Batman and Superman anymore. It's the Iliad and the Odyssey and all the classics that we historically grew up reading are now graphic novels and not just certain art types, but, you know, you can get a manga version of it or black, all black and white, very artistic. So that's what I immediately thought of. What about you, Josh? I agree. And I, because you are starting to see so many adaptations of books. So like Wings of Fire is a series that's very popular or the I Survive series that puts kids in historical disasters, usually big historical battles or events. Those are now being adapted to graphic novels as well. The Babysitter's Club that Caitlin has taken, it's had a comeback in recent years are now graphic novels. And And people love those. People buy those all the time. And I think that what happens is not only do they start reading, and and it. I agree with Caitlin, I've kind of changed, and, and you and I have talked about this, I've very much changed my opinion on graphic novels over the years and, and their value. But I also think that what happens is that sometimes they'll start reading the graphic novels and then they'll, they'll want more. So they'll go back and read the the books they were based on. So I think for some people, it's a start. and But if for some people, if it's what they want to read, then great they're reading, you know, they're reading. And then that's kind of where I think more and more teachers are also starting to, to get to. I mean, like Caitlin said, I I probably sell as much of the graphic novel version of the Iliad as I do any version of the Iliad and it's, and it works. So if it works, then fantastic. Yeah. When teachers are buying class sets of books now, it's not just 35 copies of the first wings of fire. It might be 30 copies of the original, a couple of copies in Spanish, and then a graphic novel, just so that all students are able to read and enjoy. And nobody's exempt from that classroom conversation. They can all have meaningful conversations around whatever book the class is reading together. Absolutely. And along that same line, one of the first ones that I thought about when you asked me about this, and I think, Shelley, that I know I've mentioned it to you before, and I may have even mentioned it on the podcast last year, Uh, It's a series that a kid introduced me to, actually, and then I turned it around and introduced it when I was kids lead at the store to subsequently so many more kids that didn't want to read that were reluctant readers, as you say. Um, And it was the Press Start series. It's a chapter book series. I love that series so much. Isn't it great? Yes. So it's Thomas Flintham and... It's a chapter book series that's sort of somewhere between a graphic novel and a, and a chapter book. And it takes place in a video game world. And so for kids that love Minecraft or Roblox or love playing video games, maybe aren't big readers, this is a very graphic, fun chapter book. It's for, it's for your younger. I mean, the, the kid that recommended it to me was seven. And he told me, you need to read this and you need to get them in the store. <laughs> and I did. And I can't tell you the number of se- particularly seven-year-old boys that were not, they, their parents would bring them in. They don't like to read. And I would give them the first book and they would come back for the second one and the third one and the fourth one. There's 13 now. There's a 14th one coming out this year. Uh, it's a perfect gateway series for reluctant readers, uh, especially those that are fans of video games. And it's just, they're fun. They're, they're such a fun series. And 
I work with a nonprofit here in New York City called My Own Book that brings third grade students from Title I schools into the store and they're give, they're each given $60 to shop. And most of the time, these are students that have never been into a bookstore before. So it's always fun to see them discover books. And over the summer, we were doing some preliminary visits in the store with um, volunteers and some of the nonprofit staff. And I pointed out the Press Start series and the one volunteer was like, oh, that's just a comic book. I said, no, it's not. I said, pick it up, read it. You'll be surprised how many of your students this year are going to come in wanting it. And it's not just, I said, if any of the girls mention video games, this is the one we always hand them because it's so it's so exciting. And I, I've read them with my niece. She loves them. And now my nephew's starting to get to that age. So I'm excited to be able to reread them. And then similar to the Press Start series, it's the Dragon Master series. Yes. Um, which I think at this point, there might be 14 or 15 books. And it's it's an, it's like an action movie in each book. It's They're so much fun to read. Again, they're geared towards the like six to eight. Um, but they have really fun covers and great characters and they're just, it's a great series for somebody who's, who says they don't like to read. I think that would turn somebody around. Do you think girls would be interested in that? Oh yeah. It's a gender neutral series. I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said that, you know, for a world uh, based in a video game and I thought, man, that gets kids right there. We have so many kids who love video games. Yeah. And there are video game chapter books, you know, for Minecraft and Roblox. And those are always good to suggest too, because it's characters and worlds that they're familiar with that they can build their imagination with a little bit more. Yeah. I I like went back in my uh, conversation to press start, but then that's just what made me think about the appeal of these books. And, And so, yeah, so many Minecraft and Roblox lovers out there. And similar to robot, anything that's a novelization of a movie that's coming out that kids are really excited about. I always like to hand them those too, because tell them you can find out what happens before you see the movie or you watch the show. Um, and it tends to be characters they are sometimes familiar with and those that can sometimes help them read. And there are, if they've read Amelia Bedelia or Fancy Nancy, those have chapter book series too, so they can if they remember loving that picture book at story time, it can get them excited to read a little bit longer form story. And who doesn't like Amelia Bedelia getting into her antics? She makes me laugh. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime that you can get them into a world they're familiar with that if they're, if they are reluctant to read, then something that's familiar is is going to help bridge that a little bit. Uh, The bad guys series by Aaron Blabley. That's a great chapter book series. That's a little graphic and, graphic novel type in nature, but it's also a, a show now, I believe on, I believe on Netflix or the last kids on earth, which is a little older. That's, that's a little older geared than the bad guys, not quite a chapter book, more of a, of a young reader verging on middle grade, but that's a series now on Netflix and anything like that, that, that they have access to in different mediums. You know, I love the show. Now I want to read the book or, Hey, if you read this book, there's a show that, that, or a movie or something that, that you can pair with it. I think anything that that gets them to pick up the book, basically. And I take I say this to my niece all the time. You don't have to like every book you pick up, but at least pick it up and try it. Give it a shot. There, I said I 
put down books all the time that I start and I don't like. And it's okay for you, you know, you have to find a book that you're going to enjoy. I think that's also important to give kids the the right stop a book if they're not enjoying it. Absolutely. Don't make it a chore. I mean, that's the point is like, it re- don't make it a task. Yeah. It's fun. Reading is fun. I mean, you know, I was never a reluctant reader because I always enjoyed it. I always thought it was fun. And I always had people in my life that that presented it as fun, whether it was my mom or my grandmother or the librarian. It was always something that was fun. And the less that we make it an assignment and the more it's just about finding something that you enjoy. And there's so much out there. You can find something. You know, most people are going to be able to find something they enjoy. You may have to experiment a little first. So that that book's not for me. That type of book's not for me. But you'll find it. I grew up similar to you, John. I grew up in a house where books, there were always books around. My dad used to joke that he could say no to junk food at the grocery store. He could say no to McDonald's if we asked for it. But if we said, can we go to the bookstore or the library? He could never say no to us as kids. And we always walked out of Barnes and Nobles or Borders with a bag full of books. But funny enough, my sister, she read growing up, but she wasn't the vivacious reader my brother or I were growing up. But she got hooked on Twilight and (laughs) ripped through the first three books one summer and she finished the, she had bought the first one at Borders and she got home and she read it in like a day. And then she's like, dad, can I have some money? I need to go get the next book. And he was like, here, take it, go. Like what he's like, if you're going to read it, get it. And he was like, what's it about? She's like vampires and werewolves. And he's like, I don't care. Are you reading? I don't care. (laughs) So if it's vampires or video games or babysitter club, as long as you're reading, that's what's important. And you're enjoying, and most important, if you're enjoying it. And for me, that was the goosebumps. I mean, that I I loved a lot of the mysteries like the Boxcar Children and the Hardy Boys. But for me, the goosebumps was the first series that I really became obsessed with. And at that time in the like early to mid nineties, they were coming out every other month, I think. And so it was just like, I would finish one and I would eagerly wait the next one. And it was the same thing. My dad would never say no. He would be at the bookstore the day the next one came out and I would devour it, you know, usually that day. And that was, that was the first series that I just truly became obsessed with. That's what I tell, but the one I remember getting hooked on was fudge and tales of a fourth grade nothing by judy bloom and then i always tell people did you know there was a tv show in the 90s for this show and they're like what i'm like look it up on youtube it's not very good quality but that's i that was the first like page to screen adaptation i remember getting really excited about and having to finish like i wanted to finish the books before the show started because i wanted to know what happened before it aired, I think there were only like eight or 10 episodes and it was on on Saturday mornings, but that was the first time I remember. And the original Babysitter's Club movie, because I had, of course, had devoured those. That was the first book I ever read on my own was the first Babysitter's Club book. And I remember oh. being so proud of myself. I mean, it probably took me like three weeks to read it on my own. And my dad's like, do you want to read it together? I'm like, no, it's my book. Like, this is the one I'm reading by myself. So I had, I wanted, I had ownership over it. So I love that. I'm wondering because we kind of talked about like what I would say six to eight year olds. And then, you know, we've talked about some of the others, but, you know, thinking 10 year olds, 12 year olds, any ideas for when you get a little bit older, but you're still not ready for what I would say Twilight or some of those books? Um, I was thinking about Kwame Alexander and any of the books written in verse. 
um, Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, because sometimes I find students that are reluctant readers like the shorter form chapters and they're a little bit easier to digest. And I am not a poetry reader. I enjoy prose. So, but I picked up Brown Girl Dreaming and I was like, I understand why kids like this because it's a little bit easier snippets to digest. So I think anything written in verse is great for not just any age, but particularly that 10 to like 12 to 14 year olds. I agree. Kwame Alexander, Jacqueline Woodson, Sharon Creech has written stuff in verse. And especially Kwame and Jacqueline Woodson, they're also writing stories that are relevant. And I think that helps. They're writing stories that kids are going to see themselves in that maybe they didn't before. Maybe they didn't in older books. So these are stories that are going to appeal to people. And I think that's always important. Can can I see myself in a book? I think all of us want to see something in what we read that reflects our own experience or that we can relate to. I, I um, have a very good friend of mine whose son had been a good reader and had gotten hooked on graphic novels. And, and he said, you know, this is great. I, I don't necessarily mind that, but he used to not read so many graphic novels. I would love to get him back reading more chapter book type, you know, something a little more substantive was the word he used. And basically what he wanted was less pictures, more words. That's what he was trying to to say. So I recommended a book and, and his son is called uh, The Van Gogh Deception by Darren Hicks. And it started as a standalone book and then turned into a series, which we love. It's somewhere between Home Alone and The Da Vinci Code, but for kids. It's a kid who is being pursued by these bad guys because he is the only person who can identify a forged Van Gogh that they're trying to sell for millions of dollars. And so it takes place in Washington, D.C. over 24 hours and hijinks ensue. It's action. Uh, it's but it's smart. It's really smartly written, but it's a lot of silly action hijinks as well, but really good characters, really good friendships. And the added bonus of it has little QR codes scattered throughout that kids can scan with their phone or an iPad or whatever. And it gives them information about Van Gogh and or the Van Gogh paintings that are being mentioned in the book. So it's a little bit of art history at the same time. And his son came back when he read the book and said, that's the best book I've ever read. And he immediately wanted to read the next one, uh, which is called The Rembrandt Conspiracy. And then in the third one, the two main characters go to London and that's called The Crown Heist. And they're fun action adventure stories that all have something to do with the art world, either a mystery in the art world or something connected with art, with architecture. So it's a little older. I mean, I would say 10, 11, 12. The protagonists of the books are 12, 13, but I think 10 is a perfect age to read them. So there's three of them now. I hope he keeps writing them because I love them. I mean, I read them in my 30s and I I loved them a lot. So that's a great series that's a little bit lesser known than, I mean, I think most people know about Dogman. Most people know about Dork Diaries. Most people know about Last Kids on Earth or Goosebumps or whatever, but that's a newer one that's lesser known. and. It worked with uh, my friend and his son. So I think that that's, that's a good one to start. Well, you just taught me a series that I didn't know about that I think I have to get for my niece because she's in her mystery reading. She likes a mystery. She's working her way through Nancy Drew. 
And my brother got really excited because he loved Encyclopedia Brown growing up. And he was like, will you at least try it? Will you try one? I don't know if she's read it yet, but I think we've convinced her to at least give it a shot because he and I loved those growing up. I read those just because they were always around the house and they were, you know, I would read anything that I could get my hands on. So, And you talking about Encyclopedia Brown, you're the first person I've heard Uh, in a long time talk about that but that was one of my all-time favorites and I was like Josh with goosebumps like I could not wait till I got the next one and so I had like the whole collection and probably could have recited the lines from it at some point because it was so good yeah that's how you know my sister was a reluctant reader but she was the same way with Charlotte's Web she just read it Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little she just read those again and again and then Little House on the Prairie surprisingly enough was her like one of her younger hook series before she took a break and discovered Twilight, but all of those and the Chronicles of Narnia, which I still consistently sell a set probably every month to customers. Somebody's always looking for Chronicles of Narnia. And again, that's always fun to talk about those movie adaptations because some people don't realize that there's a few for full of the books, but not for all of them. And those fantasy series never go out of style. I, I agree. I, I still sell the Narnia books all the time. I still sell the Percy Jackson series all the time, yeah. Harry Potter all the time. And then what's great is that if, okay, if you loved those that are the really popular ones, Lemony Snicket, there's always lesser known ones to get into as well. Um, I think the newest one is The Wings of Fire. That's the newest fantasy series yeah. that everyone really loves and that's talk about gender neutral i mean everyone really loves those books because it's the human characters are are unimportant it's the dragons the dragons are the main characters in those books and people love love those stories so i always say okay if you loved narnia try this if you loved harry potter try this you know if you love harry potter try uh shannon messenger uh her series is really wonderful what is it keeper of the lost cities yes And then there was a new one that came out last year that's the first in a series. I can't think of the first name, but it's The Unicorn Thief. It has the red cover. Skander, a.k.a. Skander. Yes, Yes. Skander and The Unicorn Thief. I couldn't, I knew it had an S. That I think is going to be one of, similar to Wings of Fire, I think that has potential to be one of the newer fantasy series because, I mean, that had like, battles and wild unicorns in it and there was a villain with a unicorn army as i recall so i'm excited for the next one in that one because i did i that one i read pretty quickly because i couldn't put it down because every i mean unicorn anything with a unicorn sells pretty well too phoebe and her unicorn that series is great for fantasy readers that want a graphic novel yes phoebe and the unicorn and amulet were the two graphic novel series that when I first started with Barnes and Noble, we couldn't keep on the shelf. Yes. And then what's, Caitlin, have you read the newest um, Amari and the Knight Brothers? Did you read the first one of those? I haven't read either of those. They're, they're on my very long list of books to be read, but I know that that's for reluctant readers as well. But I sell a lot of those here in Brooklyn. It's a very yeah. series. Um, Amari and the Knight Brothers. It's 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 a new fantasy series. It's perfect. It's mid-grade. It's perfect for fifth, sixth grade, that that range. Female protagonists. I do Female protagonists, yes. And it's going to be, I mean, there's, I think, two out. I know a third one is coming out. And I think potential to, conti- to keep going. 
And I also feel like based on the conversations I've had with teachers and librarians and students, that has potential to become a graphic novel series. I think people would love to see that oh, okay. as Interesting. a TV show. I think they would love that as a TV show um, or at least a movie. I think they just can't get enough of him. I yeah. was also thinking about Percy Jackson and how that kind of is a gateway to Greek mythology and all of those books that they can then just dis- kids can then discover the actual mythology behind it because, and then there's all those pop-up books, the mythology, it's the gold cover and it pops up and has all the pockets and the extra pieces of paper in it. But that's what I was thinking of too, when you mentioned reluctant readers and Percy Jackson, because that can kind of open a whole new world too. And what I love about the Percy Jackson and what Rick Riordan has done I'm a big fan of the Rick Riordan Presents books and and, and Rick Riordan taking a step back and going, there are some mythologies that I'm not the person to speak on. So I'm going to let people that are the experts, I'm going to let people tell their own stories, tell their own mythologies. And I think that that's because people love Percy Jackson. So they just want to look for anything that's similar. And in doing so, like you said, they're through the stories, they're learning not only about Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Norse mythology, but now they're learning about... Eastern mythologies. They're learning about one Latin is Mayan mythology, mythology, right? Yeah. 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 I like that he's he said, I've had my time, but I'm gonna take a step back and showcase all these other and a lot of them are new authors, debut authors that haven't been showcased previously. I think most of them are. Most of them are. And you know, there's the the series that is I think Western African mythology that he's that's one of his Rick Riordan presents. Is oh Tristan Strong punches Tristan a Strong hole, punches yeah. a hole in the the sky or the the yes the sky not the universe but that has several series too. I think that has and somebody a bookseller once told me that if parents aren't sure of that series, tell them it's similar to Neil Gaiman's American Gods but for kids. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's so like, true actually. Yeah, so it's like the the kid version of American Gods. So I, which I, I haven't read it. And I also haven't read American gods. I'm not, I'm not too much of a sci-fi fantasy reader, but it is again on my ever growing list of books to read. And, but I did read the first Tristan strong and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. I love, I love, see, I love sci-fi and fantasy. So I comparing anything to Neil Gaiman is, is a strong stamp of approval in my, in my book. And then, of course, um, another series that I love, and Shelly's probably going to roll her eyes because I talk about him every single time we meet in person or on the podcast, Jason Reynolds, Jason Reynolds. Uh, I'm going to keep talking about him. Uh, But in terms of series that I have had success in getting kids to read that's really then sparked an interest is his track series, The Defenders, um, which starts with Ghost. Ghost is the first one. And there's four of them. So it's a finite series. I don't think he's going to write any. I could be wrong. I, I think that it, I think it's just going to be those four, but that is a wonderful, wonderful series of books. Ghost, Patina, Sunny, and Lou. And Lou. each one has a different protagonist. Each one is the perspective of a different character. And I love series like that, not just for kids, but as an adult too. I love series where in the first book you meet the main character and you meet other characters and then each one explore and it kind of it's the continuation 
but you're seeing different perspectives. I love stories like that. Not just in kids, but also adult, you know, that happens a lot with adult romance novels. And I think kids get excited because maybe Ghost isn't your favorite, but Lou or Patina are your favorite characters and you get to see more of them. And it's not just one point of view through four diff- through the four books. Caitlin, I always think the same exact thing in romance novels because they introduce you to this whole slew of friends and like you're not all right there's going to be a sequel with this this one and this one and this one and and Josh I don't think you could ever oversell Jason Reynolds because I think he is one of the most brilliant just amazing writers in the whole world and so yeah you could never talk too much about him around me well I just read a book and this would be great for high schoolers called The Promise Boys. It comes out on January 31st. It's by Nick Brooke. I'm going to say it now. I think Nick Brooke is going to be the next Jason Reynolds. Okay. I know I, it's a loaded statement, but I could not put this down. It's about three boys at a Washington, D.C. charter high school, and the principal is shot in the school, and there are the three suspects, and they have to figure out what happened and I was fortunate enough to read an early copy and I couldn't put it down. And I immediately thought of any of my customers that have purchased Jason Reynolds or the hate you give or um, not my perfect, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. And I sent them all an email and I said, you need this book in your library. Your students are going to see themselves in them. It's mystery. It's, it's, there's parts that are so funny so, but I think Nick Brooke is going to be the next Jason Reynolds. And I can't wait to see what he's going to write next. This is his debut novel? It's his debut. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd never heard of him and I thought, okay. Here but there's go. lots of people Shelley, that, yeah. An exclusive. We're still yeah. a few days from release. <laughs> yeah. So everyone uh, get that ordered so that you will be the first to have it. Oh, and you know what else always reminds me of is One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus, which is, again, another mystery series. Great if kids have seen the series on Peacock. So it's that's another great series for reluctant teenagers. And I'll mention it. I don't. I, Caitlin and I were just talking about this yesterday. We're not the ones to talk about it with authority. But since we're talking about older kids, uh, manga titles are we cannot keep them on the shelves. I sell them to high schools, middle schools libraries every single week. I'm not an expert on manga, so I don't want to talk about it. And I I cannot talk about it intelligently, but I will say that from what I can gather it for, especially for slightly older kids, those series, if they don't read anything else, they read that and they love them. And I think that much like graphic novels from a couple of years ago, teachers are starting to have those conversations about, well, at first we didn't see the value in, in this type of book or series thinking it was too much like a comic book or there was nothing substantive about it, but they're revisiting that and they're reevaluating manga's place in their libraries. And we're starting to see it really take off. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. The only manga series that I can speak to that I've briefly read and flipped through, it's called cells at work. And it's about, can you repeat that for us, Caitlin? Cells at work, C-E-L-L-S at work. And it's kind of, it reminds me of Magic School Bus a little bit, where it's 
humanized blood cells that live in the human body that represent a city. And they all have to, you know, they all have their different jobs of what they have to do. And I know um, I've sold that several times because science teachers love it because science isn't always everybody's favorite subject in school. And this kind of makes it a little bit more fun to teach biology and how the human body works. So that's the only one that I have a little bit of knowledge on. But other than that, manga is like a different language to me. And it's definitely one of my 2023 resolutions to learn more about it so that I can help teachers and librarians find um, the best series for students. Well, I love that you uh, both are always looking for what's next and what kids are going to love. And I've talked to kids about manga, but I had to admit that I was just absolutely lost and clueless. And so, yeah, maybe that's everyone's next thing to pick up so that they can talk more intelligently to kids about it. Because this conversation that we're having reminds me so much, like Josh and I have these conversations. And even when he's with a crowd, I feel like selfishly that he's just talking to me. And that is exactly the way that I felt in school. Patsy Adams was the librarian and she would come and talk to our whole class. And I would think she was just talking to me. And conversations about books, for me, it's what leads me to oftentimes pick up a book because Josh or Patsy Adams or Caitlin or the librarian at my school told me this was good. And I feel like we've lost some of that because we we don't have librarians interacting with children and especially at the middle and the high school level like like they did when I grew up. I think the alternative now is kids are learning about a lot of books on TikTok and social media, but specifically TikTok. And I think it's great, but nothing beats a conversation with a bookseller or a librarian in person where they can bring you over and like put the book in your hand and really explain why they'll like it and they'll enjoy it. I love my job. I love what I do. I love that I get to talk to different teachers and librarians around New York City every day, but I do miss working in the stores and working in the children's department and handing you know, having a kid who just read the first Amulet series and is so excited to read the second one in the series and talking to them about, all, you know, well, if you like Amulet, you might like this and, you know, really finding the perfect next book for kids to read. And also I miss the recommendations. I mean, yeah. we're talking about reluctant readers and what what Caitlin and I recommend for reluctant readers, but so many of the books that I've talked about today were recommendations from kids in the kids department who said, oh, you've got to read this. I mean, Press Start, Ghost. Tristan Strong was a recommendation from a- The Van Gogh Deception. Those were all recommendations to me. Yeah, I missed that too. Heartstopper, which is one I recently read and Caitlin recently read, and we were talking about it, was a recommendation to me from someone I ran into at the store. And then they said, oh, you've got to watch it. And then you've got to watch the show, you know, page to screen that we were talking about earlier. Like you've got to read the books rather. And then you can watch the show, but read the graphic novels first. And you discover things just by having those conversations with whether it's, you know, students recommending things to you or you recommending things to them or them recommending things to each other. It's those conversations. It's that's the best. I mean, we still get to do that, but I do miss every day, you know, getting to do it every single day, which 
which Caitlin and I both got to do in previous lives at Barnes & Noble. (laughs) For a long time in the children's section. Well, I really appreciate what you're doing now, uh, helping teachers and librarians. And I did want to just remind everyone that Ann Classworks is the Barnes & Noble online ordering portal or that makes shopping easier for educators. And you can shop for titles, build a shopping list and order directly from the portal, the same discount tax exempt status. And best of all, it's in stock and to you in a matter of days. Really recommend all of our school people you know, to take advantage of this. But I just think it's a wonderful service that you provide for our educators. And I want to thank both of you for taking time out of your schedules to talk to me today, because it's such a pleasure to talk to other people who love books and love helping children love books. Thank you. And next time you guys are in New York, we'll go book shopping together and we'll find some new books. Oh, that's a New York in a couple months, Caitlin. I'll see you then. Yes. We're going to go book shopping. That is an absolute deal. Join us again for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network's podcast.